You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. We are going to finish our series um, after this week. We're going to start working through and finish our series through the book of Ephesians. So you'll want to come back and be prepared for that. Next week we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6 together. Uh, But this morning, again, we're taking a pause or breath and looking at what connect groups mean together for us as a church. This is Back to Church Sunday, and uh, there are, again, many of us that are absent still. Um, and so we're going to continue to pray that God would bring back uh, everyone together on the same Sunday. Some of us uh, got lost at sea a couple of weeks ago, and uh, some of us have been out on trips and vacation. But we're moving into the fall, and we're trying to get everybody that's normally here, here together on one day or at the same time. Um, it is not a single event. It is a uh, movement. It is a coming back together uh, on a regular basis. Um, unfortunately, we oftentimes see things in the life of the church as event-driven or event-oriented, where we want to do things on one particular day. But Back to Church Sunday is not a day for us to make sure that we have everybody here just on one day. Rather, it's the beginning of a renewed commitment where we would focus on being together as the body of Christ uh, on at least one day a week and gathering together for worship and for fellowship and Bible study and praise to his name. And so church, going to church, the gathering of church really matters And there are at least three biblical reasons that we should understand church mattering. And before we dive into Acts chapter 2, I want to lay that foundation for us. Three different reasons quickly why church matters to us or gathering as the church matters to us. Gathering as the church matters because it is obedience to the command of God. Gathering as the church obeys the command of God. You want to write these down. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it is what God has commanded. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Gathering as the church obeys the command of God. God intends for us to come together. Secondly, gathering as the church acknowledges the activity of God. Gathering as the church acknowledges the activity of God. It is not just what God has commanded. It is, in fact, what God is doing. So Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus told Peter, you remember the conversation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church. Or 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. As you come to Him, that's us who come to Christ. 
He shall not prevail, uh, 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 rather, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Who is it then that's being, that's doing the building up? It is Christ. God in Christ is building for himself a church. And so to not go to church, to not be a part of the church, is to ignore what God is doing and to ignore His command in our lives. But the third reason you should understand this morning is gathering as the church honors the gift of God. It's not only what God has commanded and what God, has, what God is doing, it's what God has provided. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that God has composed the body. He's put us together so that there may be no division among the, among the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Or Ephesians, we've been in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, that we're to speak the truth in love and we're to grow up in every way and to Him who is the head and to Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God has graciously given us this body that we might grow in the faith. So understand this morning foundationally before we ever get into Acts chapter 2 that the church is God's will. He's commanded it. It is what He is doing. It is His activity. And it honors God because we are receiving His precious gift that He has given us. You see, the Christian life was never meant to be a God and me thing. The Christian life was intended to be not an individualistic thing. We enjoy individualism in our culture. We boast in our individual achievement and our individual accomplishment. And so the Christian life was never meant to be a God and me thing. Yes, the Christian life is personal, but it was never meant to be private. It's public. It's corporate. It's communal. It's a shared experience. Going to church does not save you. Amen? But the church is the gathering of the saved. And so we use a phrase a lot around here that has these two words that are the title of my message to you this morning. That we are to connect in biblical community. Biblical because the Bible is the core of how we gather. Connect because we're relating to one another. We're in relationship. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And community because this is a gathering, not just a few individuals. So this morning, what we're going to do is relaunch connect groups on those foundations. That it is God's activity, God's will, and that God is in fact, has in fact given us a precious gift. And we believe that that happens best in connect groups or small groups. So this morning, I have essentially three goals as we look at Acts chapter 2. The first goal is that you will see a biblical foundation for our connecting in biblical community. That you'll see that that's not just the vision of our church. It's not just some idea of a pastor, but rather that that's what the Bible actually calls us to. That you would see the Bible as the foundation for biblical community. Secondly, that you, if you are a part of Connect Groups already, that you would be encouraged 
and that you would become even more committed to your connect group than you were before this morning in the ways that the Bible calls us to. That you would be encouraged and that you would stay the course, become committed even more. And the third would be this, that you would actually, if you're not a part of a connect group here at Southwide, that you would become an active part of a connect group. Not because the Bible commands that you be a part of a connect group, but because within these, this framework of connect groups, we believe that we can live out what the Bible does call us to, and that is biblical community. And so if you're not a part of one here this morning, my goal by the end of this message is that you would decide under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to become a part of a connect group here at Southwide Baptist Church. It is clear from the New Testament that the early church did life together in biblical community. And we want to see that this morning in Acts chapter 2, beginning together in these six verses at, at Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. So if you found your place, let me invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 2, look with me at verse 41, or 42 rather, and following. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness, or rather with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this morning we would see this familiar text and it would come to life not in in just our minds as we understand it, but that it would come to reality in our hearts. God, that we would desire to see these verses and these practices and truths lived out in our own lives and in the lives of this church. Lord, I pray that it would come to life within the very culture, the very DNA of who we are as a church. God, that we would be about relationships with one another that are established and rooted in God's Word. And I pray, God, that the result would be that people would grow in their faith, that we would be held accountable and challenged. God, that others would be drawn to Christ through the evangelism, the disciple-making of these groups. God, that others would be connected to this body through them. And I pray that it would just be a healthy picture of New Testament Christianity within the life and body of this, this fellowship. Lord, I pray that you would be honored in that. And Lord, I am reminded that there may even be someone here this morning who's not a part of this body. Maybe they're a part in, in, on paper, on a roll somewhere. Maybe they've been attending, or, but simply just don't know Jesus this morning. I pray, God, that you would invite them by your gospel into what this is that we call the body of Christ. That they would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That they would be forgiven of their sins, God, today and added to this body. And that you would be glorified in their salvation. 
And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So this passage, you are no doubt familiar with it. It comes on the heels of one of the most famous passages in the New Testament, one that we probably hear often. It is a passage about the the establishing of the New Testament church where the disciples, after Jesus ascended into heaven, gathered there together and began to pray and wait on the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, came like a mighty rushing wind and filled the place where they they were gathered. Some would say that it would seem to be the upper room, the place where they were praying. Others say that it was probably there in the temple courts as many were gathered for the Pentecost festival. And and they would gather there, all of these Jews, and hear Peter's sermon as he preached the gospel. And the Bible tells us that thousands of people were added to the church that day. In fact, 3,000 souls were added to the church because they believed the gospel. I don't know about you, but I long to see that kind of a day in America where people come to faith in Christ by the droves, not in some some superficial cultural Christianity, but where people are denying themselves and taking up their cross and following Jesus. Where this revival of biblical proportions happens in our country. Well, that's what was going on in this day of Pentecost. Many coming to faith in Jesus. And the question arises, what then do you do with all of these people who are coming to know Jesus? How do we, how do we incorporate these people into what we've been doing? Twelve people. Maybe arguably 120 people, but not 3,000 over the course of the last three years following Jesus. How do we do what we did with, with Jesus, with these people? And so they begin to play that out. And what you have is a snapshot or a window in verses 42 through 47. You have a snapshot of what that looked like. It's kind of a, a summary passage, much like reading a good book. Or how many of you have some TV series that you follow? Anybody? Maybe, how many of you read a good book lately? Every now and then, right at the beginning of each TV series or maybe at certain parts in the book, there is kind of a review or a synopsis of what happened in the last episode or the last chapter so that you know where we're going in the next episode or the next chapter, keeping us carried along on the storyline. That's exactly what's happening here in this passage. In fact, we looked at last week a a phrase that's kind of repeated in various ways. And God added to the church daily those who are being saved. And the the disciples multiplied greatly. And many came to faith in Jesus. This kind of continual phrase of evangelism where people continue to come come to faith in Christ. In the same way, you have these kinds of passages that talk about what life looked like when they came to be a part of the church. It's very interesting to me. There is never a disconnect in the New Testament between someone coming to faith in Jesus and someone being a part of the church. It was a foreign concept for someone to believe upon Christ, to get saved, and to not be a part of the church. It was assumed that when you came to faith in Jesus, you were going to be a part of a local body of believers because you needed to grow in your faith. That's what happens. Notice verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3000 souls. And they who the ones that were added devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There's an assumption 
that there would be community when it came to salvation. It wasn't just my my fire insurance to get out of hell and into heaven. It was a new life, a life where I was a part of a people who all were following Jesus together. It was a community. Now, we can look at this passage and we can get into a church kind of an argument, can't we? We can talk about this, the immaturity of this model and and say, yeah, well, that was just the start of the church and and things are much different now and they've progressed further. And we don't we don't do church like this anymore. We have buildings. They didn't have buildings. And and we could go on this kind of ramble and, and argue about what the New Testament church might or might not have looked like. Or you might argue on the other side of this model and say that this is essential Like we shouldn't have buildings anymore, pastors. We should go back and and have church in homes. And that should be what the church looks like. And and you could argue for that as well. And of, of course, that would be an oversimplification of the passage. Clearly in the passage, it says that they gathered continually in the temple and in homes. And so to miss that is to miss the entire point of what they were doing. We could also argue a lot about what the church might uh, look like today and being taking on the characteristics of the early church, that it was a more pure form. And and so we should be more like that today. But if you read the New Testament, the the New Testament church was hardly a model church. In fact, they were divided and and they were covetous and and they were filled with impurities and all kinds of other things. It was it was certainly not a pure church. What can be argued from the passage and from the New Testament at large, is that the church was not something that was something to be done in silo, that we were meant to live in community. Notice it here in the passage, and you should just underline these or circle these within this paragraph. Verse 42 says that they devoted themselves. And what is it that they devoted themselves to? The apostles teaching and fellowship, they devoted themselves to fellowship. It wasn't a light kind of a commitment. They said, I'm not going to give this part of my week up. I'm not going to quit on this. I'm going to keep being a part of the local church. It was a a commitment to to the fellowship and the, the fellowship that they're describing is not just any fellowship. It's not just going out and doing things together. It's very definite. It's the definite article before it. The fellowship, the church, the gathering of God's people. So there's one part of togetherness. Look at verse 44. All who believed were together, he says. All of those disciples were staying together. They didn't believe and then go their separate ways. They stayed together. It says that they had all things in common. Another expression of togetherness. The end of verse 45, they were they were distributing after they sold their belongings, they were distributing the proceeds to all as anyone had need togetherness here. Verse 46, day by day, they attended the temple together. Verse 47, having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. There's a togetherness about the gospel The description is further established if you continue to read in Acts. Acts chapter 4, remember Peter and John arrested? They go before the Sanhedrin. They're told they cannot speak the name of Jesus. Where do they go for encouragement? They go back to their brothers and sisters and they pray and they ask God for boldness to speak His Word. There's a togetherness about the Gospel. Acts chapter 6, the problem of the widows. 
It means they were doing ministry together. And so in order to do that, they needed leadership. And together they make a decision in order to carry on that ministry. You might argue after Acts chapter 6 that they were scattered because of Stephen's stoning and, and all the scattering that took place. But even notice there that they began gathering. They were scattered but gathered into local pockets. One of those over in Acts chapter 11 being Antioch. The very center of Christianity in the New Testament day from then on. And on and on and on. The gathering of God's people was always the intent. The rest of the New Testament. Think about it. Almost all of them. Letters written to gatherings, churches, almost all of them. And so the Bible argues for togetherness. And then you might see these as well. Go back to the paragraph with me. It's gathering, not just for the sake of gathering. They're not gathering to watch Florida beat Kentucky. They're gathering. Some of you caught that anyway. um, They're gathering for specific reason. Gatherings for specific reason. Notice that they're gathering for the apostles teaching in verse 42. Breaking of bread. Yes, fellowship, but that's a spiritual kind of thing. We'll come back to that. Breaking of bread. Prayers. For the signs and wonders that are taking place. They're gathering in that. The power of God at work within the church. Selling their possessions and distributing the proceeds to those that have need for ministry purposes. Breaking bread in their homes. There's a fellowship component. Receiving uh, food with gladness. And generous hearts, so there's a worship, praising God, a worship component going on. There's people being saved, there's, there's a disciple-making component going on. You see, this is all biblically-based gathering, biblically-based fellowship. And so I think that the Word is clear to us this morning, and if you're grabbing hold of one truth from this passage, it is this. Believers gather and do life together In biblical communities called local churches. It's what we do. That's what the New Testament looks like. We gather together and do life together. Talk about more about what it means to do life together. But we do that in biblical communities where the Bible's at the core of relationship and we call that the local church. It's what this looks like. That, that truth, seems to best find its expression in small groups. Why do you say that, Pastor? Why can't we just be all one big group at Southwide? Well, notice verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together. That's a big group. A lot of people at the temple. The Jews over in this household and the Jews over this household that got saved, they're coming together. Everybody comes to the temple. That's a Jewish custom and practice. And they're worshiping. These new believers are worshiping the Lord in the temple and they're encouraging one another and they're praying for one another. That's a large group gathering, but it's not just there. Breaking bread in their homes. How many of you have been to Israel? Anybody in the room? If you've been to Israel or you've seen pictures, these homes were not even as big as the platform I'm standing on. They could not have held the large group. There's no way they held 3000 people. So we see in the New Testament both the expression of large group and small group in one phrase. They went to the temple and they went to these smaller groups, breaking bread house to house in their homes. We believe at Southwide that it is the best way for us to live out this passage and the rest of the New Testament is to gather both into a worship 
gathering setting like this, as well as into small groups as a corporate body. So what are connect groups, you might ask? Connect groups are biblical communities. They're small groups where we can gather and live out what we see here in this passage together. They're learning communities where we grow in God's Word and we learn what it means. But more than that, not just learning what it means in an intellectual, in an intellectual sense, this kind of school-like learning, we learn what it means within relationships. So how do I live this out among people who have the same struggles and the same life circumstances as I have or, or maybe different? Maybe with some people that have already been there and how can they help me? Or maybe there's some people in the group that haven't been there yet and how can I help them? It's a collaboration of, of Christians, so to speak, where we come together and we say, let's live out the Bible together. That's what it means to do life together. You see, it's real easy to come and sit in a classroom and learn some things about God. It's hard to take those things that we've learned and now to live them out within our week every single day. And to do that together. That's where it gets messy. Doing life together. It means that it's going to require mutual ministry where we're caring for one another's needs. It means that whenever there's needs within the community or within our church, we're going to be serving together and doing meeting those needs as a as a body. It means that there is a development of Christian character there. It's not just about what I know, but who I become. It's about personal obedience in these groups. You you hear God's word from the pulpit and and even within your connect groups. But within connect groups, it's a chance for you to figure out how to obey these things together. So what pastor said this morning, how do we do that now? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for me as a husband or a wife? What does that mean for me as a child? And so we learn how to obey together. We're involved missionally together. Whenever people in the community need to hear about Jesus, and there are many that do, we go together and we do it together. Whenever there's a mission project that we can do in our community or a mission trip that we can take, we do it together because we're doing life together. You see, these connect groups are not a lecture-oriented group, although there is lecture teaching involved. They are a conversational group. They're not exclusive, although they are intentional. They're focused on engaging others with the gospel and in relationship with one another. They're, They're reproducible. We're not dividing groups, we're multiplying groups. We want to see more groups get started. Why? Because the more groups that we have, the more people that we can reach. This is the goal. Not dividing in half and dividing the church. We want to become more united. And we believe that as we are intentional about involving ourselves in small groups, that we do become more united. So what does that look like in Acts chapter 2? There are at least, and we're going to have to look at these quickly, but there are at least eight characteristics of a healthy connect group or a healthy biblical community in Acts chapter 2. Eight characteristics. So I want you to notice them with me, and you might, you might jot these out to the side. If you've got margins in your Bible, it would be helpful for you. These are things not to forget. Number one, there is devotion to the Word. All of these begin with devotion. Devotion to the Word. 
So it says that they devoted themselves. This is verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Okay, there was no Bible. There was no New Testament where they could carry a a whole canon of Scripture around with them and and read the Bible together. They had the apostles. And what's really interesting is that their Bible was the Old Testament and much of what the apostles taught was the gospel from the Old Testament. It's so interesting. We want to jettison the Old Testament today and say the New Testament is the most important. That's that's we're New Testament Christians and the Old Testament, it's there and it's helpful. But we really want to focus on the New Testament. Not so. Because you couldn't have been a, new, a, a Christian in the, in the New Testament day without the Old Testament. Go ahead, read your New Testament. What you'll find is hundreds of quotations from the Old Testament. So that's what they had. They began to follow the apostles' teaching. Well, what we have today is the whole Bible, New Testament included, that includes the apostles' teaching. And if you're going to be healthy, a healthy biblical community, you must devote yourself to the Word. The Word has to be central. It can never become, listen, it can never become about connecting only. Connecting has a deeper root, a taproot, if you will, in our commitment to the Word. The Word becomes the basis for all of our relationships. You follow that? Without the Word, you can't connect rightly. Okay? So connect groups have at the core of them a devotion to the Word. Colossians 3 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's the picture. You want to be a group that the Word of Christ, is. it's as if, and I shared this as an illustration with someone recently, anybody ever had one of those real rich pieces of cheesecake or dessert? Any, I know it's almost lunchtime, you're all ready for that, but anyway... Almost like it's dripping with sugar, right? Syrup is just dripping with its sweetness. And we want to be a group that is dripping with the Word of God. Let it dwell among you richly. Secondly, there's a devotion to one another. Devotion to the Word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Again, the definite article is there. The fellowship, not just any fellowship. Doesn't say they devoted themselves to fellowship. As Baptists, we like fellowship, don't we? We want to get together and we want to do, we want to have fun. We want to do things together. We want to have watch parties together. We want to have picnics together. We want to do all kind of stuff together. But this is definite. It's Christian fellowship. Koinonia. It's distinctly spirit filled and spirit led. It is the body of Christ. When we devote ourselves to the Word, we then are, are to devote ourselves to one another. The one another of believers. It's the call of the passage. Jesus said, if you love me, the world will know you're my disciples. If, if you have love for one another, he says, we're committed to the brothers and the sisters that we have in Christ. 
It's devotion to one another all together, not just your group, by the way, it's all groups together. And yet there is a certain special fellowship that should exist within each connect group. Devotion to one another. Third, devotion to Christ. Devotion to Christ. I want to just clarify some understanding for you. There is a little bit of of discrepancy over what this may mean. I'll give you my take on it because I think that this is this is the accurate one. When it says that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread again, the definite article is there, right? To the breaking of bread there. He's pointing to a specific thing. Luke is pointing to a specific thing and he ties it together immediately following fellowship. This is not just getting together to have some fried chicken. I want you to know. This is a description of a holy breaking of bread. Jude called this in Jude verse 12 a love feast. It is the gathering of God's people to participate in the breaking of the bread, I believe, of His body. And certainly that should be present among us. We should look to the Lord's Supper as a definite act of devotion to Christ among us. As often as you do this, do so what? In remembrance of Me. We ought to remember and be devoted to Christ. And so, yes, the Lord's Supper... But seeing this as an act of worship, notice it's in there with the breaking of bread. It's in there with the fellowship. It's in there with the teaching and it's in there with prayer. All of those things carry the definite article and every one of them are acts of worship together. This is something that the church did as an act of devotion to Christ. It is corporate. We should do that together. But there should be an element of devotion to Christ within the group. Our commitment to the Word ought to come from that devotion to Christ. It ought to be, it ought to be evident within the, the Harrison Connect group and within the Clark Connect group and the Edson Connect group and the Henderson Connect group and all of our kids and students Connect groups. It ought to be evident that they love Jesus and that Jesus is kind of just oozing out of that group. So there's a devotion to Christ. Number four, there's a devotion to prayer. There's a devotion to prayer. Obviously, he says the prayers. It seems like that this would be a corporate gathering of God's people, not just any prayer, but the prayers of the church. Devote yourself to corporate gatherings of prayer. It's interesting that he calls us to that. And and as many have said recently in our body, we don't pray enough. But it ought to be that our connect groups are places where you know that people are praying for you, not, not because they said, hey, I'll pray for you, but because we're actually actively praying with one another weekly and even daily. Praying with one another. You call me and you say, I've got a need and I want to pray with you over that need. Maybe we need to meet for coffee and pray over that because I'm a part of your connect group, not because I'm your pastor, although I'm going to do that too. But because I'm a part of your connect group, we ought to be so close to one another that I know if I have a need, I'm calling, I'm calling Chris or I'm calling somebody in my group and I'm saying, will you pray with me, please? I need somebody to pray with me. And so there's a devotion to prayer. It ought to be the first thing on our minds. We're going to go to the Word and we're going to bring instruction and then we're going to pray that God will bring that to pass among us. 
It was the apostles' early commitment. You remember the whole reason for deacons. Because we've got to give ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Interesting there, the same word as ministry of word, the serving of the word. It's the same word as the word deacon there, diakonos, those to serve tables. We can't leave the service of the word to serve tables. We're ministering in word and prayer. Uh, number five brings us to devotion to ministry. Devotion to ministry. Verse uh, 43. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. What kinds of wonders and signs? Healing. Delivering from demons. These were specific needs that were being met. Spiritual needs. Verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. It's talking about their possessions and all that they are. Because verse 45 tells, verse 45 tells us they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So essentially what you have is you have miracles taking place that are meeting spiritual needs. Then you have selling and giving that are taking place to meet serving and, and ministry needs, physical needs. So you have serving and sacrificing for one another. The giving of the New Testament church is ramped up. You look at the Old Testament, the giving is, you you say, well, the Old Testament is the only thing that talks about tithing. The New Testament doesn't bring that back in. If anything, the New Testament actually ramps it to a new level. Because now you're committed to a body where we, we're not only using our, our resources in order to further the temple itself, the church, the, the, the ministry of the church, organization but now we're giving for the for the sake of one another we're sacrificing it all because we believe that our thing our our possessions are not our own and that the kingdom that we serve now God in Christ his kingdom is far is worth far more than any earthly kingdom that we could ever serve devotion to ministry that's the call number six devotion to worship so we've already mentioned this But it says day by day that they did two things. The first was that they attended the temple together. There's a devotion to worship. It's a Jewish practice. It's one of the things they did in their culture. But notice they didn't stop doing it when they came to faith in Christ. Because they believed that Jehovah God was the one who established all of those things. You can throw off the sacrificial system and you can throw off circumcision and all those other things that are ceremonial, but you cannot throw off the worship of Jehovah God. He alone is God and He's worthy of our praise. So they go to the temple daily for prayer and for another thing we're coming to in a second. But it's a Jewish practice and it's something they did. What do we do? We have a church. We have the body. The gathering of God's people. I heard it said one time that there was a pastor that told his people that if they couldn't do anything... On a Sunday, if they, if they couldn't do anything during the week, the highest priority in their lives should be going to Sunday school. And I disagree because those who went to Sunday school in the New Testament also made a priority to go to the temple. You cannot watch this now. You cannot separate small groups from corporate worship. Can't happen. It's a both and. Why? Because they both meet different needs within the body of Christ. We need to be all together sometime during the week. It's one of the reasons why we don't have a children's church per se. We need our kids in here with us. Yeah, we've got a nursery. There's some that can't sit through. But that's the reason why we've got kids notes and everything that we have. Because as we gather together, it is important for this whole body to be together at one time. 
And our, our connect groups are going to emphasize that. If you go to a connect group, you ought to be going to worship, not because it's the vision of Southwide Baptist Church, but because it is the command of God's word. Number seven, not only devotion to worship, but a devotion to daily life together. Those two things, he says, day by day. The second thing, breaking bread in their homes. We like this one. I don't I, I think the reason why this is mentioned twice is the first one is a clear reference to the Lord's Supper. And the second one is a clear reference to fellowship together, which included meals together. I think the first is the love feast that, that Jude describes. And the second is fellowship around the table. And there ought to be both. You know, praise God, Southern Baptist. There ought to be both. Right? Gather together and eat some fried chicken to the glory of God. Amen? We ought to do that. Do life together. But notice it's breaking of bread in their homes. You're inviting people into your home, which means you're actually engaging people into the daily rhythm of your life. It means I'm going to have a meal tonight, so I, I want to I have somebody else over with me for a meal. It means that I'm going to go to the park and take my kids to play, so I'm going to do that. It means, hey, we're going to go over to Pensacola. Not really, we already changed that. But we're going to go over to Pensacola this afternoon and go visit one of our older members in the hospital. Y'all come go with us. Daily rhythm. It means that this is not just about a Sunday morning routine or a Sunday night routine or a Wednesday night routine, but that we're actually the body and we're engaged in doing life together every single day. You know, there may be a day that goes by or two or three or even a week where you don't do anything with church people. You're so sick of looking at each other. You just want to be at home with your family. And that's cool. But that's not the rhythm. That's not the pattern. Doing life together. Here's the last one. And we're going to bring this hopefully to a to a close and hopefully give you some meat to put on what we're describing. The last one is devotion to making disciples or disciple making multiplication. I like using that word because what we're doing is we're reproducing ourselves as Jesus is making us. So we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. And as Jesus is changing us, we're we're reproducing ourselves and therefore reproducing the life of Christ in others. It's multiplication, disciple multiplication, disciples who make disciples. Praising God, having favor with all the people. By the way, that's done in the temple. Isn't that interesting? You remember the story of the one who sat at the gate called Beautiful, who went into the temple courts jumping around like a crazy man. And there were many people that came to faith in Christ because of this man. Why? Because they were giving witness in the temple. They weren't just going for worship. They were going for witness. That's why it says that they gave themselves to praising God in the temple and having favor with all of the people. There was a witnessing happening. Our witness in this place as a corporate body should be both worship and witness. The same thing should trickle down into our connect groups and into your individual lives. It's always worship and witness. This is the two pair that go together in the Christian life. Worship and witness. We express that in our worship today and we'll express it every day. And the Lord added to the church, the Bible says, They were incorporated into the community of faith and the process starts over. Do you see it? Do you see it? Over and over and over again. The truth of the matter is, 
You can do all of those things by yourself. But you're probably not going to do them very well. And you're not going to do them consistently. And you're not going to have accountability whenever you, you, you decide to start straying from the path. And you're not going to have encouragement when you have bad weeks and bad months and bad years and bad seasons. <laughs> you're not going to have that. And no one's going to be praying for you. You're going to be out there just you and Jesus. And although that is enough, it's not the way Jesus, your Savior, intended it at all. And so, connect groups. We have set up a new time for connect groups. Does it mean that the old time is going away? We're adding this time. Because we value more than just one hour a week together. So Sunday mornings from 8.45 until approximately worship time. However long that goes is a time for connect groups to meet. All of our connect groups are still meeting during those times. On Sunday evenings we've added a second time. At 5 o'clock we gather, or yeah, 5 o'clock we gather here together on Sunday evenings for a meal. Breaking bread. Eating some fried chicken. We're going to do communion during corporate worship. You can be rest assured of that. And somebody better bring fried chicken this week, I'm just saying. Because yeah. I've talked a lot about fried chicken. <laughs> fried chicken. Anyway. And we have a meal together. We get to hang out together and enjoy one another. And listen, if you miss that time, you're missing a good time. I want to just encourage you to be here during that time. It's, it's chaotic. It's a zoo. Our kids are everywhere. But you know, God is glorified in that. So let's get together and let's eat together. And then from 5.30 to 7 o'clock, roughly, our other connect groups are meeting. And there's several things happening. Sometimes our connect groups, there's a rotation right now where our connect group may serve our children. We want to serve together. We just talked about that. There's other things that may happen on Sunday nights as well where we get to do ministry or participate in, in all of our connect groups going together and doing something. You just never know. But reality is some of us are serving Others of us are doing Bible studies. Some of us are having prayer meetings. Some of us are doing prayer meetings on Sunday night and Bible study on Sunday evenings. It, it's just, it's across the board. It's kind of flexible and organic. But what it allows us to do is instead of having to accomplish a program, what we can do is we can look at Acts chapter 2 and we could say, we want to do these things together and be these things together as a group. It's critical. And so there is the Clark group. We've renamed these because, you know... And, a senior adult group may not hold true. Mackenzie Harrison was in Curtis's group, and she's no senior adult. Uh, we've had others that cross groups, and, and, and we don't want to restrict that. But we do want you to connect and, and, and be a part of one group. Be a part of that group and, and give your life to that. And so we've got the Clark group, the Harrison group, the Edson group, and the Henderson group, and all those are happening on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. And then we've got kids and student groups that are happening on Sunday mornings and then a student group that's happening in the evening. But our kids have Bible study together. It's, it's just an amazing thing. Listen, I can't even tell you all the details. You've got to come be here to check it out. And it's a little chaotic right now, but you know what? We're learning and we're growing in this. I want to encourage you to be here. And it's going to look different next week than it looks the next week until we get this thing Right and, and can see it reproduced, but we're doing that and we're we're wrestling with this to the glory of God, praying that God will do a mighty work through it because we believe biblical community matters. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be here this morning. And you may not know what it means to be a part of biblical community for a couple of reasons. 
Some of you may be here this morning because you've either not gotten engaged in a connect group or you never really even joined our church. And I want to encourage you this morning that you come and you join Southwide Baptist Church and that you join a connect group. Not because you need your name on a roll somewhere, but because if you're a believer, you need a body, the rest of the body. You're, you're only an eye or a hand or a finger. You need the rest of the body. And God has put us together like that. And some of you are the weird parts, but anyway, somebody's laughing over here. But you need a body. You need people who love you and who are going to encourage you, and I want to encourage you to do that. Someone else may be here this morning and you're not a part of this body. Oh, you may be on the roll, but listen to me. You don't know Jesus. Friend, all of this is true because we are the body of Christ. Jesus body that was broken for us and His blood that was shed for us on the cross. The forgiveness of sins that is available to us through, through faith in Christ. This is, this is life changing. The old man dead, the new man living. You get to be new in Christ if you'll put your faith and trust in Him. Yes, heaven, but not, that life begins right now. Trust in Christ with all of your heart. And today the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the good news of the gospel. So you come and you be a part by trusting in Christ for salvation. There may be other decisions in this room that need to be made. I want to invite you to bow your heads all across the room. In just a few moments, we're going to extend this invitation for you to come. Whatever the case is in your life. For you to come and commit your life to Jesus. Maybe to commit to a connect group. Just ask the Lord to help you to do that. I know schedules are busy and we, we need God to remind us every day. Maybe to pray for your connect group or, or your connect group leader. Pray for them. Pray for the leadership of, of all of these connect groups. That God would just fill them with His Spirit and use them for His glory. I don't know what it is that God has laid on your heart. I do know this. We must be obedient to His Word. And today is the day. So all across the room, let me ask you to stand with me as we give honor to this time. I'm going to pray. Lord, have your way in this place. We give our hearts and our lives to you. And we ask that you would be honored by what takes place in the decisions in this room. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You come this morning, even as the music begins to play. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ. Thank you.